Well, good morning. Um, I'm, I'm Jason. I'm regrettably I can't head down to Mafra to um, to bring this sermon live to you, but we'll plan to you know, we'll plan to hopefully head down there and catch up with you guys. Um, hear a lot about you, and um, it's very encouraging to hear from Steve what's been going on. Um, so before I start on the sermon, a little bit about myself. I'm married. Um, my name is Jason. I said um, I'm married with three kids. I uh, work in a gas plant at Longford, so it's down Mafra Way during the weekdays. Um, well, I haven't been to Bible college or Bible school, but I love Jesus, and I love talking about Jesus. So that doesn't mean that I'm good at talking about Jesus at all, but as we shall see in today's passage, we do not need to, be, or do, we do not need to go to Bible school or have a theology training to talk about Jesus, but rather you just need to love Jesus and speak clearly about what you know about Jesus and share it. Share the good news of Jesus as how it has been shared to you. So before we start, let me read Acts chapter 4, verses 1 to 31. Acts chapter 4. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, greatly annoyed, because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who have heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem, with Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you. And to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is a stone that was rejected by you, the builders, who has been the cornerstone, which has been become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had, command, but when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For there is a notable sign that had been performed, though through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny this. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether, is it, whether it is right to, in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have heard, seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people, for all were praising God for what had happened. 
for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported that what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gatherings together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to peel and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Well, before we start, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word that is brought to us, that's written down by Luke. We pray, Father Lord, as we look into the Acts 4, help us, help our hearts to settle and help our ears to open. Um, help me to speak faithfully and truthfully in, um, on your son Jesus. Please continue to change us day by day and make us more and more like your son Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So names are important. My name, as you know, is Jason. And my my full name is Jason Chan Yongjun. Well, Chan is my family name. Well, Yong means forever or a long time. And Jun means good horse. So my name could mean forever a good horse or forever working like a good horse. Well, I'm the person behind the name Jason Chan Yongjun. And throughout the books of Acts, Luke records many wonders and signs that's being done through the apostles. These signs, as wonderful and as spectacular as they seem, they're all pointing towards someone greater. The name in which all these signs were performed, the person behind the name, While the signs are not the main attraction here, rather they serve as a pointer towards the person, the Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, as Peter reminds us. The title of this book, Acts, should be understood as the Acts of Jesus Christ, rather than the Acts of the Apostles. It is the continuation of Jesus' work before he was killed that we have recorded in the Gospels and bringing forth the kingdom of God. And throughout the book of Acts, we still continue to see the work of Jesus Christ, risen, the Lord Jesus Christ, via the apostles, and the continual spread of the gospel throughout the region. So to give a bit of a context in Acts Acts chapter 4, we have to look at the previous chapter, Acts 3. There was a sign, a healing of a man born lame. He has never walked in his life until the day he met Peter and John. The apostles were heading to the temple when they met the man sitting at the temple gate asking for alms. Instead of giving them money, 
the man was given something even more valuable, healing. Through the name of Jesus, the lame man was healed. And he leapt up and jumped with joy, praising God. Now he's no longer lame. His legs are restored. But more than that, his relationship with God is restored. The man now can go into the temple to praise God and worship Him. And before that, he couldn't do it because he wasn't allowed to due to his disability. So this man was healed and restored through the name of Jesus. And that's why Jesus came in the first place, to renew the world broken by sin and restoring the broken relationship between God and His children. So as the crowd gathers to see what happens, Peter was to say that was quick to say that it was not his own doing that the man was walking, but rather it is by the name of Jesus Christ, the faith in his name that made the man strong. As more people gathered, Peter preached the gospel. He preached to the crowd that Jesus who healed this man is the author of life. He was raised from the dead by God and he is the fulfillment of the old prophecy by Moses. Now Jesus now is in heaven until the time when he will come and restore all things to what God meant for them to be. And in the meantime, all the families of the earth are to be blessed through him. So this healing took place, was done through Jesus, the author of all life and the Lord of the universe. And Jesus is undoing the brokenness and the pain and the suffering in the world. So as Peter speaks, the crowd grew and grew. And now in Acts chapter 4, we read that it attracted the attention of the priests, the captain of the temples, and the Sadducees. Well, here's a few facts about the Sadducees. They are rich, and they are powerful, and they are influential religious leaders of the day, and they work with Romans to maintain peace between the Jewish community under Roman occupation. And the healing of the man was attractive to everyone. But the message that Peter preached was not attractive at all. It was not attractive to the religious leaders at least. But Peter preached that Jesus, although killed at the hands of them and the Romans, was resurrected by God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. But that message was very pointed and is a sore reminder of what the religious leaders has done. In verse 2, you can see that they were greatly annoyed or greatly disturbed in the NIV version because the apostles were telling people that Jesus is no longer dead but resurrected and alive. We can see that later in Acts chapter 23 where Paul mentions that the Sadducees denied the bodily resurrection. So Peter's message of the resurrected Jesus went down like a lead balloon and they responded, how? By putting both Peter and John in jail for the night. Now, do you think that metal bars and brick walls can hold back God's word? No way. Putting Peter and John in jail could not stop the gospel from penetrating the hearts of the listeners. So in verse 4, we we hear that many heard Peter's message and they believed. Although Peter and John were locked in, the gospel cannot be locked in. And despite the attempt to shut them up, it only resulted in more new believers. More Jews became followers of Jesus. Now, it's interesting to know that this is the third time Luke mentioned about the numbers of believers growing. 
In Acts chapter 1 verse 15, he mentioned 120 disciples. Then in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, he reports the numbers to be 3,000 at Pentecost. And now the number increased again to 5,000. The gospel is infectious, the good kind of infection, because the gospel brings forgiveness to the judged. It brings healing to the sick, and it brings life to hearts dead in sin, and it brings hope to those who are lost. A wise friend once told me, the gospel is the gift which you keep by giving it away. And the preaching of the gospel and the accompanying signs and wonders bring people to faith in Jesus. That seems to be the pattern here that Luke wants us to see in Acts. So the next day, what happened? After spending the night in jail, the religious leaders bring them out and interrogated the apostles. In verse 7, they say, By what power or by what name do you do this? That is, healing the lame man. Well, it's a redundant question. They knew that Peter mentioned the name of Jesus at the time of healing. That was the very reason why Peter and John were thrown into the jail in the first place. See, these leaders were testing the apostles. And thank God, by promised, as promised by Jesus in Luke chapter 12, the Holy Spirit came to Peter's defense of the faith. So we read, filled by the Holy Spirit, Peter replied them boldly, Rulers of the people, and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. Well, Peter doesn't just answer the question. He goes on, he goes on to identify who this person Jesus is. To make sure that these leaders do not get confused that it's the other Jesus. It is the Jesus of Nazareth that's the one who healed the lame man. Now Peter repeated the exact title he used at the healing of the lame man. Now Peter started with the fact that Jesus is from a small backwater village that no one expects any good to come out of. Now remember the phrase in John verse John 1, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Well, what can we see? Jesus is the very, very best thing that came out of Nazareth. He's the best thing that came out of everywhere. And he still is the best thing. So driven by the Holy Spirit, Peter then charges the religious leaders for rejecting Jesus. In verse 11, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. Now, Peter was quoting the words of Psalm 118 here, where it says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Well, if you compare the kingdom of God to a building, then the builders are the religious leaders. They examined the stones called Jesus of Nazareth to see if he could be a good fit, and they said no, and rejected him and threw him out. By rejecting Jesus, these people have sinned against God. And who is God? Well, God is the main architect and the builder of the kingdom. God then comes along, picked up the rejected Jesus, and made him into the cornerstone, the chief stone in God's building, his kingdom. 
So the religious leaders and the people of Israel rejected Jesus merely as a local menace with no significance. But they were very wrong. For Jesus is important. In fact, he is the cornerstone of where God's kingdom is built. God has made Jesus the head over all his kingdoms. So just like in Acts 2, we say that God has made him both Lord and Christ, the Messiah. And in verse 12, Peter spoke the simple truth. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. After condemning the sins of the leaders, Peter went straight in proclaiming the gospel. The name of Jesus is not simply a slogan for miracle or a magic password to get things done your way. Rather, it is the name of the only person who can bring in salvation. If the healing of the man is a sign, then it is a wonderful sign because it points to the name of Jesus. Because in the name of Jesus, that man is healed. And in the name of Jesus, sins are forgiven. And that's the power of the name of Jesus. Well, the funny thing is the Jewish leaders should have known this because Jesus himself challenged them before on this very same point. If you go back to the Gospels in Luke chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, Jesus says, Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk? But you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to another man who was paralyzed in that gospel, and he said to them, rise up, pick up your bed, and go home. So Jesus' healing of the paralyzed man back in Luke 5 proved that he has the authority to not only heal, but to forgive sin. And that's the same scenario here. The, the healing of the lame man confirms that only in Jesus, there is forgiveness. Only the, in Jesus, there is healing. And only in Jesus, there is forgiveness of sins. So with the forgiveness of sins comes the restoration of the relationship with God. Peter was preaching to the leaders so that they may hear, repent, and believe. That is, to restore their own relationship with God. And when Peter told the crowd at Pentecost back in chapter Acts chapter 2, he, was, he reminds them on the truth of the, their, he reminds the people of the truth of their sin and calls them to believe in Jesus' power to, to forgive. So now Peter is bringing the same message, bringing the sins of the religious leaders before them and offer them the same thing. Repent and believe. And find life, life in Jesus alone. Well, sometimes you can hear what people say nowadays. You know, Jesus is the only source of salvation, but you know, you don't have to know him in order to benefit from the salvation he offers. In other words, if you're a good person, you don't believe in the person Jesus, you'll still be saved by him. Well, friends, that is not true. And that is definitely not what Peter said. Look at how he says, he focused on the name of Jesus. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is our only qualification into a restored relationship with God. And later, Peter says in Acts 10, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. So Jesus, the name of Jesus is the focus of faith and repentance. 
And in order to believe on Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, you must believe in His name. That is, you must have heard of, of Him and know who He is. Paul puts it this way in Romans 10. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how are men to call upon Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without a preacher? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Well, there's salvation in no one else. That means they must be missionaries, people who make Jesus known by name, so people can believe and call upon His name for salvation. John 16 verse 6, John 14 verse 6 says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Apart from Him, no one comes to the Father. It is a simple fact, yet it can be a great stumbling block to others. So, with Peter's preaching, how does the religious leaders react? So, rather than listening to the message, they noted three things about Peter and John. They are bold, uneducated, and follow Jesus. The boldness of the apostles is not self-confidence. Their confidence is not in themselves, but rather in God. Peter and John rely on God to make them courageous, make them bold. Peter and John are uneducated. That is, they haven't been to Bible school. Unlike Paul or the other religious leaders, they don't have any rabbi training as well. And to make the, their boldness even more surprising, being apostles, Peter and John were first trained firsthand by Jesus and empowered by the Holy Spirit. While it is great to have some background or some experience in theological education, it is not what that counts, but rather it's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what drives them. And the leaders recognize this. They are at loss for what to do with these uneducated common men who just wouldn't shut up about Jesus. Well, they cannot deny the miracle because the formerly lame man is standing right there in front of them. And they know it, and more importantly, so does everyone else in Jerusalem. So in order to keep things on the hush and to maintain their influence and peace with the Romans, these religious leaders were motivated to stop the movement before more people join in. So, rather than repent and believe in Peter's message about Jesus as the Messiah, the religious leaders choose to ignore and keep their position and hold on to their position as political and religious um, headhunters in the society. And they remain in opposition to the very God they claim to serve. So what are they left with? Their only move was to threaten the apostles and forbid them to talk about Jesus. By seeking to silence the apostles, the leaders oppose God himself. Well, all the leaders can do at this point is to threaten Peter and John because they are afraid of the public back backlash if they punish them. Because all the, uh, so many people are all praising God for what has happened. But when the threat was posed unto the apostles, what did they reply with? They say, 
Do we obey you or God? You know, what would you do with such a choice? We must tell people that we know Jesus. It's a charge, it's a command. It's a command given to them by Jesus Christ himself. So, with the threat coming up empty, and there's nothing more they can, that can be done, the apostles were released. So upon release, Peter and John went to their friends and told them all that had happened. So instead of being afraid of what the Sadducees have threatened them with, how did they respond? They respond with prayer and praise. Well, there's no fear as the believer simply confirms that Jesus is with them. The Holy Spirit empowers them. They lift their voice together to God, praying, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. They address God as their creator king, sovereignly ruling over everything, not just in Jerusalem, but everywhere. They prayed Psalm 2 with the view of Jesus as the anointed king, the anointed one. So Psalm 2, it says, Why did the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. And in Acts 4 verse 27, For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel. Do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So these believers recognized Jesus as the anointed Messiah. The Gentiles rejected Jesus because they do not know any better. But the people of Israel, the religious leaders, those who devote their lives to temple worship and rabbi training and teaching, they opposed Jesus as well. They were so sure, these Jews were so, so sure that they were chosen people of God, yet in their blindness, they did not recognize their own king. And furthermore, Peter referred to Herod and Pilate as the kings of the earth who set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord. Well, Herod did try to kill Jesus when Jesus was a baby. And Pilate, the Roman governor, ended up sentencing Jesus to death at the urging of the people. Yet in God's sovereignty, what they did to Jesus was all according to God's plan. It was all predestined to take place. Those who oppose Jesus is opposing God, and they have no place in God's kingdom. On the other hand, Peter and John's friends, the believers who heard the good news and believed, these are the people who have a part in God's kingdom. These are the people who are the true Israelites, people of God. They are the heirs of the prophets and the followers of the Messiah. The sovereignty of God, which God is working out the hidden mysteries of His eternal divine knowledge, is a reason for the assurance and the hope found in these people. For the early Christians, God's sovereignty is foundational to their belief in Jesus as the Messiah. Well, He died. Jesus died on the cross according to the Scriptures, according to God's will. It is a plan that Jesus the Son and God the Father made from the beginning of time. And along of all this, the believer's conviction that people are responsible for their own sin and that the gospel message of forgiveness through Jesus is the way people are saved. Well, God's sovereignty empowers their preaching because they fully embrace both God's will and His means of fulfilling that will. 
They are willing to be used as God's instruments in the Redeemer's hands. So the people then ask God for help in the face of the threat from the religious leaders. In verse 29, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant your servant to continue to speak your word with boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So rather than calling up for divine judgment upon the religious leaders, the people were determined to continue to witness for Jesus, continue in their witnessing for Jesus, and continue to depend on God to equip them to do so. Look at what they asked for. They asked for boldness, the courage to continue to do. Along with the boldness, they pray for God to continue to support their witness through the miracles in the name of Jesus Christ, continuing what Jesus originally started at Pentecost and even before that in the Gospels. So it is evident that God hear their prayers because we read the Holy Spirit came with such a force that the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. It manifested physically. This community of believers regularly experienced dramatic revelations of the Holy Spirit. But now, what should we think about the signs and wonders? Are we expect to see them now? Well, for the most part, the signs and wonders um, reported in Acts takes place in direct relations to the apostles. Well, Luke wants us to see the signs and wonders not as a typical or normal way ministry is done, but rather they are pointing to something. It's a sign. So, so the healing ministry of Jesus and the apostles was unique. And the purpose of these signs and wonders was to authenticate the lordship of Jesus and after Jesus to authenticate the authority of the apostles whom they operate under. The apostles had a very special place among God's people. Well, they were the f- Jesus' first and most important witness. And God confirms that by revealing some sort of a sign that he did during the life of Jesus. It is the name in which the signs and wonders are performed that is far more important than the signs and wonders themselves. So God wants us to pursue his son Jesus, not pursuing for miracle and signs. It is all about Jesus. So what Luke is highlighting throughout the book of Acts is not how great the signs are, but rather how great Jesus is and how great it is able to tell people about Jesus and his saving work. So now, how about us in Mephra? How about us in Warrigal or wherever you're listening from? Well, upon reading what Luke wrote here in Acts about Jesus, upon hearing what Peter spoke about Jesus and who he is and what Jesus has done, what does his name mean to you? If you have not placed your faith in the name of Jesus, please let me urge you to do so. Because look back in Acts chapter 4 verse 12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name which we can be saved. So please, please do not be like the Sadducees who rejected Jesus. Because those who reject the name of Jesus will find themselves being rejected from heaven by God. And for those who know Jesus, keep preaching the gospel to yourselves. 
Preach it to yourselves daily, and hold fast to the author of life. And when you face challenges and oppositions because of Jesus, be encouraged because you are not facing the challenge alone. Jesus poured out His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is with you. So pray, pray fervently for the opportunity to tell someone about the gospel, and pray also for the courage and the boldness to tell them. I know there's still a few more months to Christmas, but there's a wonderful book called Santa Learns the Gospel, and in it, an elf shared the gospel with Santa. Clearly, it's creative writing. Well, what is written? It was a, it, the author wrote on that book. It was awkward and unprepared, but what the elf knew, she shared. So don't be intimidated in sharing the gospel just because you don't have Bible training or just because you have no experience in doing it. So share the gospel because Jesus is the only hope in the world. Well, and there's no other salvation that can be found in anyone else. Well. Because there's no other name under heaven given among men which we must be saved. So friends, let me urge you to share the gospel. You don't have to say it long. You just have to say it clear. So I pray that we continue to hold on to Jesus, hold on to the gospel of Jesus, and continue to preach his word boldly. Now let us pray. Father Lord, we thank you for the gospel of your son Jesus, the gospel through whom we are all saved. We pray that as your people, help us to remain strong in you and courageous in you. Help us to preach the good news, the great news of forgiveness that your son Jesus has purchased on the cross at such a heavy price. Help us to preach that gospel and bring that gospel to, to all our friends and families who do not know you. And help us to focus upon the Lord Jesus in all things and be encouraged knowing that he is with us until the end of the ages. And we pray that as we share the gospel, may you prepare the hearts of those that we speak to, help them to know your mercy and your grace. Help the grounds to be fertile and may the seed that is being planted will grow. We thank you, Father Lord, that you are our Lord of harvest and we pray that you keep us bold in your Son's precious name. Amen.